Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Church in the Valley. We're glad that you guys are here uh, to worship with us. We are in a series called TikTok. We're in the middle of that. And we're talking about, like Ben mentioned, how to make the most of the time that we have on earth. And it's a graduation season. Anyone been to a graduation uh, this year yet? Anyone? Anyone graduated? Anyone will be graduating? Yeah, we got some. Okay. At graduations this time of year, oftentimes what fills the speeches is a lot of how to make the most of your time. Once you finish this phase of schooling and your education, how do you go on to the next uh, phase of of your life? And so I want to ask you a question. Uh, Think through all of you who have graduated from high school or graduated from college. How many of you remember the speech that was given at your graduation day? Okay, kind of. The majority we don't remember, right? Which actually we don't remember a lot of what we hear. So as a pastor, you're kind of like, well, that could be really depressing to think about. But at any speech, anytime you talk about time management, making the most of the time, uh, oftentimes they're, they're great ideas and principles. But sometimes it just gets lost as life begins and starts. And you graduate high school, you graduate college, you get into work. You have a family, you start building your life, and before you know it, time seems like it speeds up. I know I've I've experienced that in my life. I look at my kids, and I'm like, man, I I can remember when they were babies, and now my oldest is 10 years old, and I I just look back, and I say, how how does that happen? And that's what happens a lot in life, and you get to the point where it doesn't slow down, and it doesn't speed up, but it just keeps on going, and the clock keeps ticking, and so in this series... Our goal is to not just look at like time management principles because we can find those in books and we've probably heard those before, but how do we actually look at the things that sometimes waste our time and then how do we counter those things? Because for me, I actually need to learn how to get past some of the things that in my mind I waste a lot of time thinking about. And if you're like me, those are the things that cause us to kind of lose the opportunities that God brings our way. And so we're looking at biblical characters uh, in the Bible who have taken kind of some instruction that they've been given, taken their relationship with God and, and used that to really move past some of the barriers that they themselves have faced in making the most of their own time. And as you dig into the scriptures, I hope you're encouraged by the, the experiences people have, because what you find is just like us, they made mistakes. And they're a mixed bag and they have good intentions. They have bad intentions. They make the most of their time. And sometimes they waste a lot of time. And so we're looking at both sides. What are the things that waste our time? And then how do we counter that by making the most of the time that that we've been given? And so last week we looked at the life of Sarah and specifically how we can waste a lot of time in life waiting for what we want to happen when it's not happened. And this is the, the kind of the wasting of time that happens in the waiting And if you've ever wanted something really bad, whether it's a status change, you kind of wanted this career, you want this opportunity, you want this relationship, the time that we have from what we are and who we are and where we want to be, that time in between can actually cause us to miss a lot of time on earth if we just focus on all that we want but don't have. So we looked at life of Sarah and how she learned in the waiting how to trust God. Today we're going to talk about the life of Moses. And we're going to specifically look at some of the fears that he faced in his own life 
that kind of caused him to, to be afraid of, of moving forward with what God has, has given him. And for me, I actually can spend a lot of time in my life wasting, thinking about all that I can't do. And I don't know if, if you're like that, but in a given week at work or in a given moment in a relationship, any time in your life, do you get plagued by the things that you just kind of wish that you could do better than you can? Like you just feel like I have all of this on my plate. I wish I was a little bit more specialized in this area. I wish I had more experience in this. I wish I knew how to respond. I wish I knew the words to say in our relationships, in work situations. Life is very complex. And for me, I, I can actually spend a lot of time wishing that I knew how to do things better than I can do. And sometimes for me, what ends up happening is I spend so much time focusing on the things that I can't do that it just causes me to just kind of spiral down this like hopelessness or I can't make a difference or it's not going to matter. And this is a real, real struggle I have. And it can just kind of appear out of nowhere. And it, it's like in sports. If you've ever focused on wanting to do something in sports or in some sort of kind of competition or performance, uh, you want to do things well. But if you can't do it well. And that's all you can think about. It actually makes it worse. Um, I saw this clip that I want to share with you of a baseball pitcher that all he wanted to do was throw a strike. And I'm not a real baseball player myself, but I do know that a pitcher wants to throw the ball across the plate. Sometimes down and away so that the batter can't hit it. But I want to show this clip because it shows kind of what happens to us in our mind when we just focus on we're not good enough or we're not making the cut. Let's watch this together. Game one. Jones in the dirt back to the screen. And over the second base goes Greg Maddox on the wild pitch. It's a special. Another wild pitch over the head of Hernandez and back to the backstop. Wow! To the screen again and hits off the third in a row. Right back to Hernandez. So Maddox didn't go anywhere. But Andrew Jones goes to second on the third wild pitch of the inning. Maddox at third, Andrew Jones at second. This will be the 27th pitch of the inning thrown by Antioch. And another wild one. And Maddox will score. It's ball four to Galarraga. He finally gets Maddox home. So he's really like he's on ice skates back there right now. Assessment from a, a longtime major league catcher, Buck Martinez. So there is the fifth wild pitch of the inning. Over to third, Galarraga. Over to second, Jordan. And now a base hit. Could make this a four-runner. Wild pitch. And then Chipper Jones up. Wild pitch. Galarraga up with runners at second and third. And a save of a would-be wild pitch. And then on a walk to Galarraga, wild pitch. And now another wild pitch. We'll go into the wildest Hall of Fame, I think. It's kind of sad, right? But if, if you're the pitcher, what, what are you thinking? You're thinking, don't throw a wild pitch. And then you throw it. And then after you throw the wild pitch, you're thinking, you better not throw another wild pitch. And then, uh-oh, I just did it again. And then if you're the catcher, you're thinking, please do not do that anymore. And there's this like tense relationship you can see in this inning. And he just, he threw wild pitch after wild pitch after wild pitch. And it's that idea of oftentimes the things that we can't do becomes a thing that we focus on. And that kind of causes us to continue to fall short. That wastes a lot of time in life outside of the sporting arena. It's the same thing. Like as we're parenting, it's like I, I want to respond better. I want to help my kids better. I want to coach them better. 
and you mess up and then you just focus on the mess up or at work. You want to keep achieving and, and keep on pursuing excellence in, in what you do. And then you may slip up and you just, oh, I, I can't believe I did that. And the more you focus on it, it, it's hard to just, you get pulled in by the, our shortcomings. You get pulled in by the things that we can't do. And so I, I want to kind of encourage you this morning, in spite of your own shortcomings and in spite of the things that you can't do, we're not going to spend the whole time talking about that. Because we all know what those are. We all know inside of our head and our heart, the things that we wish that we were better at, more competent in, more experienced with. And those things, they, they can just really discourage us. But what do we do in the middle of the situations we find ourselves in to, to counter that pull? And, and it begins with this idea of, God, help me to not focus on the things that I can't do, but help me to make the most of the time that we have on earth. And that's what you find again and again in Scripture, this, this central idea to this whole series. And that is, God doesn't want us to lose track of our time on earth. He, he wants us to make the most of the things that we've been given. I shared that I'm going to be kind of talking about the story of Moses today from the Old Testament. And he has a psalm in which he gave some helpful instruction. I want to start there and then kind of use this as the backdrop of his own story. And this is what he says in Psalms, Psalm 90, 10 through 12. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. I want to stop right there. It's this idea of most of us, our prime years are over by the time we're 70. Now, if you're closer to that number, I have encouragement to you. Okay. And Moses is saying like, you know, 70 years is kind of our prime years. If you're really strong, you maybe ought to crank out 10 more productive years by the time you're, you're 70 to 80. And then he's just saying, and even in that time, life, life is hard. It's difficult. And then this picture of, and you fly away. He's saying, and you're going to die. Your life is over. But then he says, but who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. And so he begins this idea of we can kind of count the numbers that we have left. And that lets us know how much productive life we have left on earth. And then in the middle of that, we need to look towards God and consider him and factor him in. And he's saying to those that don't factor God in, even as they number their days, their life is going to be very difficult if they don't factor God into every aspect of their life. And so this is this picture of we're we're finite. We our life is short. It's fragile. It's full of trouble and pain. And at times it can feel so perplexing. So in the middle of that, help us. Then he turns to God, help us to number our days so we may gain a heart of wisdom. Help us to look towards you, God, so we can learn from you. And that's what we're wanting to do in this series. Help us to look towards God, given the shortness of life that we have left. Now, I did some calculations, and you can do this with an app. You can do a countdown app to a certain thing. So I thought myself, how many days do I have left until I'm 70? So those of you that are really good at math, you'll be able to figure out how old I am really quick. But there's a picture here. I've got 12,611 days till my 70th birthday. Now, depending on where you are, this number is going to be really encouraging or discouraging to you. But the idea is that's, that's the number I have today until I'm 70. So I've got just over 12,500 days left of like really productive life before I begin to slow down, before I'm not quite as sharp as I once was. 
So Moses is saying you, you have to number your days so you know how much time you have left to make it count. Now, what's interesting is as of uh, 2014 in the United States, the average person lives to about 78 years. I thought that was really interesting. Moses' number is right there in the mix of kind of the average lifespan of somebody in the United States, about 78 years old. So he's saying, you know, it's, it's going to end. Life is short. Make the most of it. Now, what's interesting about that principle is that you can't cut that away from Moses' own experiences. And so he's writing this through an experience of walking with God and knowing how turning to God was mainly the only thing that could help him. And so I want to shift gears and talk about Moses' story himself because he faced a lot of things that would cause him in the middle of numbering his days to actually be full of discouragement. But we're going to look at how did God come through to Moses and then how will he and how can he come through for us? And so I want to start with Moses' story and and kind of highlight this, that Moses' story shows us how the Lord provides whatever we need to do his will. God has a plan for each of us, and those are his purposes. And he wants each of us in the days that we have left to live for his purposes. That's the effective life. You live your life, and you're not just counting your days for yourself, but you live your life and you count your days for the one who made you, creator God. And he has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for me. He had a purpose for Moses. And for everyone that lives on this earth, he wants them to know his purposes. He wants to walk with them. He wants to guide them. That's what a relationship with God looks like. It's active. It happens in daily life. And so Moses, in his own life, experienced this. And I want to kind of talk about a little bit of the background story of Moses for those of you that don't know it. But Moses was set to lead the people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And they were under slavery, under foreign rule in Egypt. And were really not able to experience the blessing that God had for them. They were in immense hard labor, difficult circumstances. They're, they're you know, grandparents, parents, kids, all the generations were under this yoke of slavery under the Egyptians. And God, given his love for his people, wanted them to be set free. And he decided that Moses was going to be the man who would lead them to their freedom. And so there was about two to three million Israelites that were under this captivity uh, in Egypt. And as the story goes in the Old Testament, God speaks to Moses through this burning bush. And that, that's where you kind of know God speaks to you. And in that sense, there's something that supernaturally miraculous happened. And God spoke through this burning bush, an audible voice that Moses heard. Today, God speaks to us and it speaks to us mainly through the scriptures. That's where we hear God's voice and we can get to know God through what's been revealed in the Bible. But in Moses, he actually heard the words of God and God gave him some specific assignments for what he wanted to do to help his people experience freedom. And I want to pick up the story in Exodus 3. If you've never read the book of Exodus in the scriptures, I encourage you to do it. It's a great story of, of the power of God given even using people like us humans that, that don't have immense power, that have shortcomings. And it's just a great, great story that you find in the Old Testament, kind of really a, a huge story to understand God's, God's plan and, and purposes for, for his people. But in Exodus 3, this is the commandment that, that God gives to Moses. And he says this, Then the Lord said, 
I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites. And then it goes on. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And so Moses, through the hand of God, is the person that God decides he's going to use to bring his people out of slavery. Now, if you're Moses, this story is this this prediction of what is to come. And if I'm Moses, I'm feeling like this is going to be a great part of history to see God work and display his power and his strength and to move on behalf of the people that are his people and to do what he wants in history. Despite the greatest superpower in the world, the Egyptians and their oppression, it's the statement of nothing can stand against God and his purposes. So if you're Moses, you're hearing this. And then it all shifts with these words. I will send you. I want you to kind of just camp there for a little bit because this is where the story gets interesting because God presents his plan and his purposes. And he tells Moses that I am going to do this by sending you. So if you're Moses, this kind of comes from this great epic story to now. Uh oh. How is that going to work? How is that going to happen? And the reason I bring this up is in that moment where God decides to use Moses, it shows the battle that we all face when we're up against doing something that seems beyond us. Now, we don't have the same experience as Moses, but we face things all the time that seem beyond us, beyond our qualifications, beyond our strengths beyond our comfort zone, beyond what maybe we even want to do. We're all facing these situations where plan sounds great, but as soon as I'm in the plan, now I, I have cause for concern. We face this all the time. And Moses faced this same thing. And so he presents, in the midst of this opportunity, his, his concern. And his concern begins... With a lack of ability. And what God does is he knows that Moses is going to have these concerns. So God has an answer when we feel underqualified with a lack of ability. And so Moses, great plan God has, except for the part of Moses being the one to do it. And he has this lack of ability. How, how can I make the most of the time I'm given when you're giving me a task that's so beyond me? And this was Moses' answer. That represents his concern in Exodus 3.11. says, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So it's this, this question, when we're faced to do something difficult, when we're faced to do something hard, when we're faced to do something that we don't want to do, this answer is our natural response as humans. Who am I? What can I do? Who am I? God, great plan. You're powerful. You're full of strength. You are God. But who am I that I can be a part of this? 
And he's just saying, I, I'm not qualified. I can't do this. I have a lack of ability. I'm not going to be able to lead this effort to save your people out of this Egyptian rule and slavery and bondage. And so I was thinking, again, oftentimes when you read the scripture, you have to think, okay, how can I take Moses' situation as he's facing God commanding him to free a group of people from the Egyptians? And you read that and you're like, well, God, the good news is you're not speaking to me from a burning bush, so that's good. Second good news is you haven't asked me to save a group of people from a foreign land. That's good. And sometimes you could just read the scriptures and you're just like, okay, that interesting, interesting part of history. But our job as we read the scriptures is to take it, look at what was happening during that time and say, how can I pull out some principles and implications for me today? So then I thought, are there statements that I myself and you potentially could tell God when you feel underqualified? So here, here's some that I, I came up, up with myself. When you're facing something hard. When you face something that you don't think you can do, we say things like this. I'm too flawed or I've made too many mistakes to be able to do this. Have you ever said that? I'm too flawed. I don't have enough together in my life to do this. I've made too many mistakes in my past to move forward from here. That's the same. Who am I? Uh, we, may, we may say this. I'm not gifted or wired in that way. Have you ever said that? This isn't a fit. Like, I can't do this task at work because I'm not capable of doing it. I can't solve this conflict in a relationship because it's beyond me to figure out. I can't get traction because I'm just where I always have been. Here's another one that I sometimes tell myself. This is my who am I. This is just the way I am. You ever said that? This is just the way I am. I can't do that. This is just who I am. I cannot change. Or another one is I, I've just, I've always failed to finish something on my plate. Like I have good intentions. I can start things and I can start things and I can start things, but I have a really hard time finishing them. I don't know if you've ever said that, but these are all our statements that we make towards God when he calls us forward to do his purposes. We focus on ourselves. We focus on our shortcomings. The good news is, if you focus on your shortcomings and you focus on what you can't do, oftentimes that means you're, you're counting the cost. That's a good thing to do. But what happens in the Christian life, what happens when you walk with God, is if you just focus on your shortcomings and what you can't do, God can't use you. You'll stay right there. You'll stay just in this swirl of failure. You'll stay in this swirl of just feeling you're not capable. The fact of the matter is, those statements that we tell ourselves oftentimes are true about us. But the good news is, God uses us despite our lack of ability. So I don't know if any of those resonate with you, but I, I have statements like this that Moses himself made. So that was Moses' concern. And here's the picture of what it means when we walk with God. We have our own ideas. We have our own understanding. And then we read the scriptures, we walk with God, we give our plans to God, we surrender our will to him. We ask him to lead us, to move us forward, and then we get a response. Then we learn how God wants us to live, and that's where we get the challenge. So oftentimes, it's okay to present your concerns to God, but when you present your concerns, get ready for him 
to speak to you about that as he did with Moses. And this is what God said to Moses. He said, but I will be with you and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So Moses was focused on, I'm underqualified, who am I? And God is focused on, it's not about who you are, Moses. It's about who I am. See the difference? In our feelings of being underqualified, not good enough, the fact of the matter is we are underqualified and we're not good enough. But the good news is God is. And his strength and his purposes will prevail. So as we present our concerns for the things that we just can't see happening in our life. God says, well, I, I will be with you now. I want to pause here because this is a great just scripture full of implications because it, God answers them. This is how you know that I'm with you. So read that again. He said, but I will be with you and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. How was Moses going to know that God was with him? When he brought the people out of Egypt. Now, if I'm Moses, that brings up other concerns. Because what God's saying is, you want to know that I'm with you? You're going to do what I've asked you to do. And it's going to happen and you're going to see it. And then you're going to know that I was with you. And I'm thinking, but I'd, I'd like to know now. I'd like to just see something a little bit. And it's interesting because, you know, a burning bush is speaking to him. You know, if you think about it, like Moses, he's with you. He's speaking to you. But it's just a great picture. And that's what a life of faith is in the Christian life. You set out to do the things that God has asked you to do. Oftentimes things that you don't want to do. That you can't even see it happening yet. And faith is, God, you are going to make this happen and you are going to come through. And I can't even see it yet. But I trust that you will be with me. Despite my lack of ability, you will be with me. And the way that you know God is with you is as you step out in obedience in the midst of not knowing how it's going to turn out, you see God at work. That's faith. You can't see it yet. But there's this deep conviction and understanding that God is who he said he is and he is going to come through. And the reason Moses can worship him on the mountain is because Moses can look back and say, God, there was no way I could have done this. But your people are now free from the slavery of the Egyptians. And, and it happened. And so God's response to Moses' concern is, I will be with you. You will be able to do what I've commanded you to do. And then you're going to see it. So Moses was looking at his insufficiency. There's a scripture in the New Testament that speaks to this as well. Second Corinthians three, five, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. Here's the interesting thing. When we have a lack of ability, our focus is on ourselves. But most of the time that focus is what am I going to look like if I fail? I don't know about you, but I am so concerned with how I look most of the time. 
I care what people think. I want to be successful. I want things to go well in my life. And that's not bad. I mean, we don't want to wake up and be like, I hope it all falls apart. Right. But there's a sense in which this efficiency question, the am I good enough question, what's behind that is the sense of I want to make sure I don't look bad. That's what's driving it. There's a fear there. I don't want to look bad. I don't want to seem like I don't have it all together. What Paul's writing here echoes the same thing that God was telling us. It's not about you. You're not sufficient in yourselves. Our sufficiency is from God. This is the best news that we could have as humans because we mess up all the time. And we fall up short all the time. And we face situations we don't know how to solve. And we face problems that are beyond us. And we face a future we do not know. And I can go on and on. All the things that we're not sufficient in, but God is. And so our sufficiency comes from Him. So in our lack of ability, we can focus on that. And as we focus on that, we waste a lot of time. This thing just goes on in our head. I can't do it. I can't change. Before we know it, it's just in our head, in our head. And we've just stayed there for a long time. So Moses confessed that to God. God responded, I will be with you in the way that you'll know. It's because what I've commanded you will come to pass. But that means you're going to have to take a step forward. And my sufficiency will be enough for you, even in your insufficiency. So Moses got that out of the way. Here, I have a lack of ability. There's another kind of thing that wastes our time. And that is a lack of authority. Like just that feeling of, I'm not in a place to do what needs to be done. And so this was another answer of Moses to this command that God gave him. It says this in verse 13. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? This is the idea of, okay, God, I realize I'm petrified. If I get to the point where I can go to them, what if they just ask me a question and I don't even know how to answer it? He's basically saying, I'm not qualified to speak on your behalf. I'm not even quite sure what your name is. At this point, God hadn't really named himself to his people. They didn't know. And Moses is saying, like, who who am I to speak on your behalf? I'm not even quite sure what to call you. And even if I do know what to call you, if they ask me questions, I'm not going to know what to say. And there's just this kind of you're, you're hitting the wall of I just I don't have the authority. I don't have the expertise. I don't have what it takes to move forward. I, I experience that a lot. Here's some of the statements that this comes out in my own life. See if any of these resonate with you. Have you ever told yourself, maybe in a work situation, maybe in a family situation, in a friendship, roommate, this idea, I can't help them. You ever said that? I just, I can't help them. I can't help their situation. I can't help them. That's what Moses is saying. I save your people. I can't speak to the Pharaoh. I can't speak to the Egyptians. I can't speak to the most powerful people in the world. I I can't help. Another one that's kind of like this is, who am I to do this? I can't do it. Who am I? Oftentimes when we say the who am I statements, it's the idea of who am I and send someone else. Like, let me off the hook. Who am I? I got my own stuff I need to do. 
I'm sure Moses had tons of other things he'd rather do than go against this monumental task for which he feels no ability and no authority. But just like Moses, God, God gets a hold of us. And he has things that he wants us to do. Our own things, like sharing our faith with others, this is where it comes out. It starts with a lack of ability. I, I wouldn't know what to say. I don't know how to share the difference Jesus makes in my life with somebody else. And then when we maybe learn, we still get to the point where, who am I to speak to how somebody should live? Who am I to share what God has done? And we just, we get full of fear. Or doing the hard thing. Doing what's right, even if it's going to cost you. God, I, who am I? I? It's too much of a mess. There's too much of a web of problems and circumstances. I don't have the answers. I don't have the resources. And we get, we get stuck. There's another idea of people, you know, this authority issue, and that's if you've ever been burned by people in the past and you don't trust people, you're very hesitant to step out in faith to lead, to help people because you've been stung. And Moses has had those experiences. He knows, God, I'm going to go before these people, but what if, if they just want to kill me straight away? And we don't face that in this country to which I'm, I'm grateful but we face things of what people think about us. If we're to stand up for what's right and the truth and what's found in the scripture, what, what will people think about us? It's kind of connected to this authority, like where we don't, we don't really know what we want to stand for because we just look at our own shortcomings. And then God responded again. So Moses' concern, who am I? I don't even know who you are, God. I don't even know the specific name to which to tell them. I don't have the words. I don't know the responses. I'm going to be stuck. It's going to be really embarrassing. Really embarrassing, I added. But I'm sure that's what he thought. And this was God's response. God said to Moses, I am who I am. Again, if you're Moses, you're thinking, like, am I supposed to say that? Like, what does that mean? I am who I am. Okay. And then he goes on. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. So God is specifically speaking to you're going to be leading the Israelites, my people. And you're fearful if they're going to follow you. So here's what you tell them. I am has sent me to you. Again, a little bit confusing. Like, like I am has sent me to you. Like Moses' big concern is that he doesn't know what to say. And I'm not sure I'd want to start off with, hey, my name's Moses. I am has sent me to you. And you just walk off. But, but God's doing something here. and I'm going to explain that. Say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. And so. There's this course of like three things that happens as Moses brings up his concern. I can't do this, God, because I don't have the authority. I can't lead these people, God, because I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to answer them. And God doesn't answer Moses specifically with his name right at the beginning, but he says the statement, I am who I am. What God is saying there is before you want to know my specific name, I want you to have a understanding of who I am and who I am is I, I'm first I'm foundational 
I'm infinite. I am who I am. There is no reality outside of me. All reality is connected to me. There was no one before me and there's no one after me. And in that one statement, I am who I am. It's just the same. All of reality flows from my hand. I'm first. I'm foundational. The gods of Egypt, any God that's known on the face of the earth, they have no existence outside of me. I'm the first and I'm the last. I am who I am. I am reality. I'm absolute. So that was the first response to Moses. The second is, I am has sent you. And that, that's important to note because he's not just stating the reality of the infinite, powerful God. He's also saying that I am God. I am who I am has sent you. So I have the power and I have the authority to send people to where I send them. That was Moses' question. I don't have authority. And God's saying, the great news is, I have the authority and I am the one who sends you out to my people. And we don't know exactly all that was going on with Moses' head, but you're kind of thinking like, Moses probably was thinking something like, okay, God, but please just like a name. Like a name would be great. Just that it would be a little bit more clear. And then God gives him that. Say this to the people of Israel in verse 15. The Lord. That the Lord right there is written. And most of the time it's written in capital letters. That's Yahweh. And Yahweh is the name that God gave himself. And it's actually from the root of this I am. And when we sing hallelujah, Yahweh, it's this idea of Yahweh will be praised. And the idea is I am will be praised. The Lord, Yahweh, I am who I am, reality, infinite, powerful, personal, will be praised. Tell them, the Lord has sent you. Not your authority, Moses. It's my authority. And that's what God tells him. So Moses' concern is, I I can't communicate clearly. I don't have the authority. And God says, well, I do. All authority has been established by me. I am the authority. I am who I am. This is echoed in another passage in the Old Testament, Isaiah 41.10. It says this, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The reason that we can do what God asks us to do is not because we have the authority to do it. It's because we go with the authority of the God who gives us strength and help. This idea of I will strengthen you is I will give you courage. The reason we can do the hard thing and stand up for what's right, the reason that we can share our faith in the difference that Jesus makes And point people to him as the only answer to life's problems, as the only life worth living, is because I am has sent us. And he's with us. And he gives us courage. And then the help there is this protection. It's like this surrounding. The picture I have of this is if you have a a toddler that's learning to walk 
and they're in a living room full of coffee tables. Have you seen young parents? Right? It's the hover, you know. You're just surrounding, like, watch the head, and you get the hand, and you're just following the toddler around. And you're just making sure they don't hit their, their head, and, oh, watch out, watch out. And, you know, when you get old and you have more kids, you're like, yeah, they'll learn from the knot, you know. But God doesn't do that with us. He, he surrounds us. He's always helping us. The scriptures actually speak to, he longs to help us. He longs to work on our behalf. He's tireless. He doesn't sleep. Why? Because he is who he is. I am who I am. That's God at work from the beginning of time to the end of time, outside of time, on our behalf. And his strength and the courage that he gives and his help and the protection that he brings can allow us to move forward to do the things that God wants us to do. So the picture is Christians, us, those of you that have decided to follow Christ should be the most courageous people on the face of the earth. And that's what God was telling Moses. You should have more courage than anyone because I'm with you. You should have more strength than anyone because I'm with you. You have more credibility, not because of your own credibility, but because of the credibility that I give you and the words and the strength and the power and the problem solving. And so there's a picture of when you have God and you decide to live for him and his purposes, you can do things that you never thought you could do. And it's not even about what you can do. It's, it's to do and accomplish his will. You're not even self-serving anymore. You, you really want to fight for what is right. And God gives us the ability uh, to do that. So I want to close out with this last thought. And that is that we make the most of our days and we play our part when we commit to be used by God as he has determined. I want to encourage you, each of you, God has a role for you to play in the world. And the way that you make the most of your time on this earth is to discover the role that he wants you to play. It begins with getting to know him. Deciding to follow him, turning your life over to him. And then as you do that, each day deciding what that looks like. How you can use your resources, your finances to serve his purposes. How you can love the people around you. How you can share your faith with those in darkness. How you can do the hard things. God's given himself to us so we can accomplish his purposes. I want to close with this passage that summarizes Moses' life. Because now it's at the end. And for those of you that haven't read Exodus before, Moses goes in, does what God told him to do. And the people were freed after many battles, many battles of just these plagues and the stubbornness of the Egyptians and the Pharaoh. But they were released and they escaped the bondage of Egypt. And this was written about Moses in Deuteronomy 34. And there's not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. None like him for all the signs and the wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land. And for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. That great deeds of terror is just God brought them out of just horrendous situation. In the midst of that, they saw things and these just God at work on their behalf, which they're never going to unsee. The power of God at work. But it's so interesting. The account of Moses' life right there at the end focuses on two things. And for all the mighty power 
and all the great deeds. What was Moses' concern? Mighty power, I don't have the authority. But because he decided to live for God and his purposes, God gave him power. And his other thing was, I, I don't have the ability. And what was described? Great deeds. So the very concerns that Moses have, it becomes the testimony of his life. And again, this is pointing to I am who I am sent him. So I want to encourage you and leave you with that. The things that we're focused on that we can't do and we're concerned about and our shortcomings can be the very thing that God uses to work in us and through us in the lives of others. So I want you to just think about that. What is it that God has before you right now that you can make the most of in your life? Let's pray together as the, as the band comes up. God, thank you for your powerful word which gives us a picture of people like ourselves who are a mixed bag, who have strengths, have weaknesses, have doubts, have concerns, have sin, but you still use them. And God, help us to not focus on all the things that we can't do. Focus on the things that we're concerned people will think about us, but God, help us to realize that you are with us and it's by your strength and by your authority that we can accomplish what you've given us to do. So give us courage, God, and give us help in whatever we face this week. In the name of Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.